You're tuned in to the thinking power. Giving voice to issues that matter to you. Featuring author, speaker, and minister, Michael Nimmons. We're so very excited to be back with a brand new episode of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Uh, we're going to be talking mental health in this week's uh, edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We're calling it Mental Health Matters Too. Talking with my good friend, psychotherapist, Dr. Dwayne Buckingham. Okay, so I've been in the field. 22 years, uh, a little bit over 22 years. And as you're mentioning, started off um, in what we would consider case management. You know, so in the mental health field, you know, we have the clinical aspect of things and we also have the case management side of the house. And so I literally started off uh, doing some case management where I had a caseload of 40, 50 chronically mentally ill individuals. And we say chronic. It's time, 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 Justice over inequality, righteousness over evil, light over darkness. It matters. It matters. It matters. A new episode of Thinking Out Loud Radio Show starts. Hello and welcome to a brand new edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And I'm your host, author, motivational speaker, and minister, Michael Nemmons. And you're tuned in to the show that's giving voice to issues that matter to you. Guys, we are back with a brand new show. Uh, we've taken a few weeks off uh, take, trying to take care of a few things. We were running into some technical difficulties with our podcast, but now we are back and uh, looks like we've gotten those things taken care of. Uh, so we're so very excited to be back with a brand new episode of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Uh, we're going to be talking mental health in this week's uh, edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We're calling it Mental Health Matters Too. Mental Health Matters Too. We're talking with my good friend, psychotherapist, Dr. Dwayne Buckingham. This is a very, very uh, highly uh, acclaimed therapist and um doctor, uh, psychiatrist, you know, all of those things. He is such a, a great uh, asset to the mental health community and so very happy to have him with us 
on this week's Mental Health Matters 2 edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. You know, guys, he's been on the show with us before. Uh, he was on maybe about a year or so ago. We called it Mental Health Matters. And I'm sure you're used to hearing the phrase Black Lives Matter and Black Voters Matter, Money Matters and Blue Lives Matter. But I also believe that mental health matters too. I really do. Uh, mental health matters too. And of course, all of those things that I previously stated matter. Uh, and they very much do they matter too, but I also believe that mental health matters. Uh, I think, and especially in this day and time where you have so many mass shootings that have been taking place uh, and, and um, you know, to find out at the end of the day that, you know, 75 to 80% of them uh, are a result of some mental breakdown of some kind uh, you know, it just really begs the question of why is it taking so long for Congress to act and do something about uh, uh, these, you know, do something about the mental health crisis that's taking place in this country. It's not just affecting us, um, you know, in this 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 uh, this crisis of domestic terrorism, but it's also a crisis that is affecting us in our homes, on our jobs, uh, in our families and relationships, mental health matters. And we wanted to take some time in this week's edition of the thinking out loud radio show to talk more about that. You know, the month of May is dedicated to mental health and, uh, we definitely could not go without talking about it in some way, shape or form. And so, uh, we're so very happy again to have my good friend, Dr. Dwayne Buckingham, on this week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. In addition, guys, we've got a dynamic thought of the week for you entitled, It Matters. It Matters. And I'm telling you, this is definitely a thought that's going to bless you because, you know, we believe that there is something that matters even beyond uh, uh, mental health and even beyond uh, our skin color and our ethnicity and our culture and our money, our pocketbook, our education. It's something that matters even more than that. And we plan to share that with you as a part of this week's thought of the week. Guys, I can't wait to share it with you at the end of this week's show. And guys, we are so very excited again to be back. So much has happened within the past few weeks. We don't really have the time to get into it in this week's edition, but just want to touch on a few things if I could before we jump into this week's interview. But man, um, if you've been watching the NBA playoffs uh, like I have, uh, there's been a lot of go lot going on there. So very uh, excited to see uh, what's been happening uh, and what's been unfolding on uh, the hardwood floors of the association. You know, right now, um, the uh, Lakers are playing the Denver Nuggets. Denver Nuggets are up three to three zip and uh, doesn't look like L.A. is going to be able to come back from this. I think it's going to be over uh, and uh, Denver is going to make their way to their first uh, NBA finals uh, and uh, and and what I understand to be franchise history. So 
that is definitely going to be historic for the Denver Nuggets. And on the east side, um, you know, Miami is now up uh, two games to zip against the Boston Celtics. Uh, the number eight seed, uh, the NBA, the Miami Heat, rather, played their way into the playoffs. They were the, I believe, ninth seed. And because they won the play-in game, uh, I think it was against the Spurs. No, it was a, uh, the play-in game against the uh, Pelicans, I believe. The Pelicans, um, the, they they were able to play their way into the NBA playoffs and um, they have become the perennial favorite coming out of the East. Now, um, I am, you know, rooting for the Boston Celtics. And it just seems like, you know, Jason Tatum and and uh, his team are not really living up to the expectations that people have had for them. They have played um, they played the, the, the Heat in the last three out of four uh, Eastern Conference finals. And um, the Celtics have made it to the finals. They made it there last year and ultimately lost to the Golden State Warriors who were um, recently eliminated by the L.A. Lakers. But, um, you know, I'm just confused. I really am about what's going on in in Boston. Um, I I just don't know if they they really appreciate the, the, uh, the value of the moment you know, it doesn't seem like it. They took the uh, the last series against the 76ers, went to game seven, and some would even say that maybe the fatigue they're facing right now or encountering right, right now is because of the length of that series and not really having enough time to get rest uh, for the Eastern Conference Finals. But, man, this is a moment that you have to really take advantage of, and I'm not sure – if uh, the Celtics are ready or not, you know, Jason, you hear Jason Tatum talk about the mama mentality and trying to be like Kobe Bryant. I wonder if in fact he really uh, is trying to be uh, like Kobe, because I can't really see Kobe doing some of the things that Jason Tatum has done in the past. In that last series against the 76ers, uh, he went almost three games without scoring any points in the first half, which is ridiculous. And uh, and granted, you know, he ended up in the game seven uh, scoring 51 points, most most points ever in a game seven uh, in the game prior. Uh, he was the one that came up. I think he, he got 14 points or 16 points in the last uh, four, four or five minutes of the fourth quarter to win a game against the 76ers to extend the series to game seven. But here we are. I mean, he it. it this play has transferred over to this next series against the Miami Heat, and I'm not sure if uh, Boston is built to go another Game 7, which it appears like they're going to have to do just to survive this series. Uh, You know, so I I don't know, guys. I'm wondering what's going on in Boston, Uh, you know, uh, and, and I'm quickly becoming a Miami Heat fan because Jimmy Butler you know, is, is, is hungry. I think this, this series is really going to come down to who is the hungriest, who, who is, who wants it the most. And right now it looks like the Miami heat in my view, in my opinion, uh, even though I'm root, I'm, I'm, I have a rooting interest in Balt in Boston. I really think it's going to end up being Denver and Miami in the finals. And uh, I just think right now, Denver looks like the fr- the favorite to win 
the NBA championship this year. Love to know what your thoughts are about that, guys. Feel free to hit us up on all of our social media, uh, Instagram at TOL Radio Host MSN or the TOL Radio Show or on Twitter uh, at, at, at TOL Radio Host MSN or the TOL Radio Show uh, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash thinking out loud HQ uh, as well. Or hit us up on our YouTube channel, guys. We're going to be posting videos there as we, we have been doing in the past. Uh, go to our Facebook or go to our YouTube channel uh, at Thinking Out Loud TV, youtube.com forward slash Thinking Out Loud TV. Guys, we're going to be doing some more uh, posting. And, you know, of course, you be uh, stay tuned for more interviews that we have coming up. We've been really working, grinding here, trying to bring you some of the best minds. Uh, giving you their best thoughts right here exclusively on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. So, guys, I hope you stay with us, stick with us, uh, because we've got some great things in store. Well, we're getting ready to take a break, but when we come back, we're jumping right into my interview with Dr. Dwayne Buckingham, psychotherapist. You don't want to go anywhere. You're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. Hello, my name is Maya Nimmons, and I want you to listen to my dad, Michael Nimmons, on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Every Tuesday at 8 p.m., available everywhere you listen to your podcast. And now, available on the Detroit Praise Network website. You better listen to that little girl, the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Giving voice to issues that matter to you. Stephanie D. Sanders, award-winning singer, songwriter, author, voiceover artist, and more. Heard on shows like the Time Join the Morning Show and the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Book Stephanie D. Sanders to voice over your podcast or radio intros or commercials. Do yourself a favor and visit stephaniedsanders.com and upgrade your podcast or radio show by booking Stephanie D. Sanders. You'll definitely be glad that you did. Refined, rebranded, reinvented, reinvigorated, revived. The new MichaelNimmons.com website is finally here. And believe me, it's worth the wait. A state-of-the-art website where you can listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show podcast, watch Thinking Out Loud TV, read the Thinking Out Loud blog, purchase books and swag, and so much more. Subscribe today and get a free gift on us. Stop by the new MichaelNimmons.com. It is sure to be a thought book working experience. Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were insufficient? Who told you that you were a loser? Who told you that you were a failure? Who told you that you were deficient? Who told you that you were nothing? Who told you that you were worthless? Who told you that you had no value? Who told you that you were you to believe? Who told you that you were naked? It's a dynamic, empowering, and inspiring book about identity that is a definite must-have. 
Pastor Nimmons talks about an identity crisis that dates as far back as the Garden of Eden. You don't want to miss these powerful insights into not just the problem of this identity crisis, but the discovery of the spiritual solution. Get your copy now, available on Amazon for just $14.95 or by visiting michaelnemons.com. Like a victim when you are already victorious. Emmy Award-winning journalist, Jimmy O'Hill. I have to ask ourselves, how is it that we're trying to allegedly reach racial harmony, but we want to have celebrations of racist things all the time? Again, we can't have unity unless we agree that something's bad. And we sound even more foolish by saying, oh no, but we changed the meaning. Okay, they can say the same thing in Germany about a lot of things, but you don't see it because they knew in order for real healing to take place, they had to disavow all that stuff, which is why they paid reparations to the descendants of the Jews that were killed in our that's why they did it. Apologies don't work unless you put some level of action behind it. It's my really long-winded way of saying that when I think about the national anthem, it doesn't represent everybody. Mark Cuban knew it. He talked about it. That's why they stopped doing it. And you know what? They didn't do it for 13 games and no one noticed. We bring you the best minds who deliver their best thoughts only on the thinking out loud radio show in need of a logo design for your business then check out dm designs need flyers t-shirts business cards or website for your business then check out dm designs the people at dm designs will get you right for your next business venture they're professional and courteous, and they get the job done right every time. Check out the team at DM Designs. Give them a call today at 734-219-5266. DM Designs, bringing your imagination to life. up beautiful people it's your girl Lex Divine in the building kicking it with yours truly Michael Nimmons on the Thinking Out Loud radio and TV show alright y'all stay tuned you're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show keep it locked keep it locked keep it locked alright guys we are back on the Mental Health 2 edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show and I have my good friend, uh, psychotherapist, Dr. Dwayne Buckingham with us on this week's uh, edition, Mental Health 2. Mental Health 2, this is Mental Health Awareness Month in the month of May. And uh, I wanted to take some time and talk about a number of different things. Uh, but before we jump into this interview with my good friend, I want to give him a proper introduction. Dr. Dwayne Buckingham is a licensed clinical psychotherapist, retired, uh, decorated veteran and CEO of Buckingham Consulting Group, LLC. Uh, as a highly acclaimed international clinical psychotherapist, he's provided uh, psychological assessments and treatment to over 
40,000 individuals, couples, groups, and families worldwide. Uh, he his ex expertise has been relied upon in a wide variety of articles, podcasts, and radio segments, including the Thinking Out Loud radio show. He's also been featured on NBC, ABC, Fox 2 News, Essence, The CW, 11, The Daily Drum, Huffington Post, and numerous other media outlets. I want you to give a warm Thinking Out Loud radio show welcome to good friend of mine, longtime good friend of mine, and psychotherapist, and much, much more, Dr. Dwayne Buckingham. Welcome to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. It's a blessing to be here as usual, good brother, in good company, uh, trying to inform the people. So it's always a blessing to, to be among um, good company. Absolutely, guys. And uh, he he was on our show a while back, Mental Health Matters. Uh, this 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 guy is uh, has a lot of uh, expertise. And I know that that psychotherapist title sounds a little bit intimidating. You know, you're not just a therapist, but you are a psychotherapist. That's like uh, it sounds to me like a super therapist. Is that is that what that is? <laughs> it sounds like I'm gonna get in your head. That's what it is. <laughs> that, that get in the head and figure out what's going on with your psyche. Oh, it's your psyche. Uh, okay. You know, which we obviously here to talk about that that mental part. So that psychotherapy is how do we show up mentally? Mm. How do you show up mentally? So tell us a little bit more about psychotherapy and more about your experience in that field. Okay, so I've been in the field 22 years, uh, a little bit over 22 years. And as you're mentioning, started off um, in what we would consider case management. You know, so in the mental health field, you know, we have the clinical aspect of things and we also have the case management side of the house. And so I literally started off uh, doing some case management where I had a caseload of 40, 50 chronically mentally ill individuals and we say chronically mentally ill we're talking about individuals with schizophrenia and we're saying chronic because it's not going away you need medication management and things like that paranoid schizophrenia so most people on the common terms would sometimes refer to individuals like that as having multiple personality you know kind of deals unfortunately but anyways i started off doing that work uh, when I first came into the field as a young, young 24-year-old licensed person. And um, shortly after that, just started doing therapy. And so the psychotherapy, uh, again, I do individual, marriage, group. And when we're talking about psychotherapy, again, we're talking about matters of the mind, thing in which the psyche of how we show up in the world mentally. And so within our individual lives, you know, the way we navigate the world is always influenced by the central part of our body, which is the mind. And so when you come into therapy, what we're helping you do, uh, we have various types of uh, modalities that they refer to them as like cognitive behavioral therapy, um, CBT. And so what that is, is cognitively, we're trying to help you figure out what's going on behaviorally. We're trying to help you modify certain behaviors. And that's what therapy begins to kind of focus on. And um, 
So we do that individually. And then we also do it with, with marriages and families and stuff like that. But that's just a form of therapy. There's many more treatment modalities. Right, right. And you have over 20, uh, 20 years of experience uh, in that in that field, correct? Correct. I specialize in trauma uh, and I have earned the name uh, from my colleagues as the ER doctor, the empathy resiliency doctor, because on the opposite side of adversity is resiliency. And then one of the most effective ways to navigate life is empathy. And so you should navigate life saying, how would I feel and what would I think if I was in the other person's shoes, which is empathy. So I specialize in helping people navigate in that area when it comes to like therapy. Wow. Okay. I told you guys, uh, we, we got us an expert on, uh, on this mental health matters Two edition of the thinking out loud radio show and can't wait to dive in, uh, just talking about that, uh, during, uh, mental health awareness month. Uh, you know, this, this subject is, I think very critical, you know, Dr. Buckingham, a lot of focus is put on our physical man, you know, exercising, staying fit, uh, dieting and whatnot, trying to get this physical man in shape. You know, I've been doing a little, weight training and uh trying to you know get get in shape and whatnot i'm sure you've been doing some of that stuff too all your all of your life we all try to stay active we want to try to you know maintain some some youthfulness as even as we get older uh but um uh i don't think enough focus is uh on the mental aspect of 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 our lives the mental health aspect of it so i want you to share with our listeners, uh, from your perspective, how important is mental health really? Well, I, I like the idea that you say a lot of people focus on their physical health. And what I would tell people is you cannot sustain or maintain physical health if you've not mastered the mindset. Because your physical health and anything that you do and you're going to do consistently has to be in alignment with the mind. And so for individuals, as you see, they may even go to the gym and they may even diet or they may do these other kinds of things which are physically kind of um, focused. But the reality is, is that in order for you to get to that gym and sustain that behavior, you have to nurture the mind. The man cannot move in alignment with the world, anything else without having a mind that is sound. It's our control center, the brain. Mm -hmm. Physical health cannot be sustained without mental health. Physical health cannot be sustained without mental health. And that's that's true. I, I, I agree with that 200 percent. You know, even when we're trying to 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 maintain or, or trying to, you know, exercise and and to to work on our physical man, our mind, we, we got to we, we, we got to. Uh, we we gotta motivate ourselves in some in some in some in some respects just to get out the bed in the car and <laughs> to the gym, you know, because because exactly. and 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 you know taking it from somebody who who started out working out at home, I had a treadmill at home, and I liked it liked it that way because I didn't have to leave the house 
but the treadmill is I don't have that anymore. It, it, I ran it into the ground, and so now I have I'm shifting my focus to the gym. So I got to motivate myself to either you know go from work or from the house to the gym, and so that 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 the the mental aspect of it is definitely is definitely important, right? Yeah, because what you're using, you just said the word motivate. Motivate is a mental capacity. Yes. yes. That, that you have to go inside of your head to say, okay, first of all, why do I need to work out? First of all, why do I need to be fit? And when you're asking yourself the why question, that's a cognitive skill that you're using. Right. And so, again, there's no getting to the gym without processing why I need to go to the gym in the first place. Exactly. And, and so- it's everything. It's everything. Yep, it sure is. It it really is. Guys, I know you're enjoying my interview with my good friend, psychotherapist, Dr. Dwayne Buckingham, who's with us on the Mental Health 2 edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And, you know, Dr. Buckingham, you know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And, you know, again, as we talked uh, before, uh, it's very important that we, we, we uh, focus on not just our physical health, but our mental health. So I want you to share with us some tips on how uh, we can take care of our mental health. Yes, one of the things that I do often, which people probably don't know, but when I'm actually um, posting and interacting a lot, I have started and I encourage a lot of people to journal. Because journaling allows for you to get rid of all this stuff that's trapped in your head because sometimes we're in overload with so many things we need to do. So I actually started journaling and I actually journal so that I can actually filter out the nonsense and keep the good stuff. Mm. And, and so by writing it down, I actually learned how to do that. I'll take my little, I got this, this process quotes by doc. So basically what I do is I actually create affirmations. And these are things that I wake up and say to myself to kind of like help me be motivated throughout the day. And I'll take that quote and then I'll put it into this journal. And then I'll say to myself, why is that quote important to me? And how is it going to help me get through the day? For example, one of the quotes is your birth status does not determine your life status. So when I'm faced with some adversity, I kind of say, wow, my birth status does not determine my life status. So although I may have grown up in, in the ghetto and I grew up in extreme poverty, that's my birth status. But my life status, I get to determine that because I can tell a new story. So to help me get some clarity around that, I journal. And then I ask myself, like, how to map it out. And what I'm doing when I'm journaling is I'm conditioning my brain. I'm conditioning my mind. Just like you were saying, conditioning your body, you have to learn how the brain is a muscle. And so when you are doing these kind of things, I'm giving you practical journal so that you get in the habit behaviorally of how to use that mind. That's critical. Number two is processing. Now, I didn't say talk because a lot of people say, hey, I can talk. When I talk to you, that doesn't necessarily mean I am processing. 
So what I encourage people when it comes to their mental health, find someone that you can process with. What does process mean? Process means that you have a dialogue where you actually get to say something and then you're able to interact with someone that can help you reflect on what you said so that you can process it and again, try to filter out the good from the bad. So when you're talking, you're just running your mouth. When you're processing, you're looking for dialogue that can help you keep balance with the good and the bad. That's like number two. The number three thing for your mental health is, is meditation. I mean, sometimes we're so busy and we're on the go and we're always going. People have to learn how to be still. Because when you're when you can be still, your mind can operate clearly. Mm. But when you're in the red race and you're constantly moving, you find yourself scrambling to make sense out of some of the most simplest tasks and things in life. So be still, meditate, give yourself a couple of minutes every day to get somewhere and just be still. Mm. Those are three. Wow. Journal. It'll help you all the time. Processing. It'll help you all the time. Get somewhere and meditate and learn how to be still and be one with yourself. Wow. Those are some great, great uh, and very simple things that people can do. You know, I think sometimes we think is that that we've got to take medication or we got to we got to we got to do something uh, extraordinary or extravagant when it comes to our mental health. But. Just like you said, these are some very simple things that you can do. Uh, journaling, I like to write. I like to to put my thoughts on paper. Uh, even even if it's if it's sitting at a computer, typing it into a computer, there's still your thoughts. It's still an activity that uh, that you are engaging your mind. Uh, and then I also like yeah. meditating. Uh, definitely taking some time to. Uh, just think about things just to be still, as you said, and uh, and and maybe even reflect on uh, what you did or what you have to do. Uh, those types of things kind of help you get your day started or even decompress after your day has ended. These are some great, great tips, guys. I hope you're enjoying my interview with my good friend, psychotherapist, Dr. Dwayne Buckingham. We're just getting started, guys, on our uh, journey talking about mental health matters, too. And this week's you're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back of the podcast. Guys, we're getting ready to take a break. But when we come back, we're getting back into my interview and we're going to be talking gun legislation, mass shootings and mental health. So, guys, don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with Pastor Michael Nimmons. Don't you dare touch that dial. Global advocate Martin Luther King III. So I I think the future is is the, the best probably is yet to come, particularly coming out of this phase right now, coming out of, you know, the last four years of being dark and desolate. I mean, the last four years, theoretically, could cause, uh, have caused people to 
to have lost faith, particularly if, if Trump had won. I think our, we wouldn't have a democracy if this man had been reelected. We bring you the best minds who deliver their best thoughts only on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Congratulations to Pastor Michael Nimmons for over 20,000 streams and downloads. Rate, review, and subscribe to the Thinking Out Loud radio show podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and MichaelNimmons.com. Tune in today. The Thinking Out Loud radio show giving voice to issues that matter to you. The people have spoken. From Minneapolis, Minnesota, to London, England, from New Zealand to New York City. Black Lives Matter and I Can't Breathe are the sentiment of people around the world. Dr. King was right. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We must do everything we can to continue to march, protest, and rally for justice. Let us march on until victory is won. An important message from the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Don't, 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 don't touch that dial. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. All right, guys, we are back, and I know you're enjoying my interview with my good friend, psychotherapist, Dr. Dwayne Buckingham. He's back with us on the Mental Health Matters 2 edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. You know, guys, we're good at saying Black Lives Matter and Black Voters Matter and this matters and that matters. But we what we're saying today that mental health matters, too. And uh, a lot, uh, I, as we said in the first segment, you know, uh, and there's nothing wrong with it. Our focus for a lot of us, uh, including myself, is on our physical man, you know, getting into the gym, exercising, working out, trying to get buff, trying to get in shape and whatnot. But uh, Dr. Buckingham let us know that our mind has got to be in sync with that as well, because uh, we, 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 we've got to we've got to uh, the physical health also starts with mental health. So if your mental health isn't there, then your physical health won't be there as well. So uh, we're, we're going to kind of shift shift our focus a bit, even though we're still talking about mental health, talking about um, the topic of mental health and mass shootings, because unfortunately, uh, just in this year alone, we are well over 100 mass shootings, and we are not even in the middle of 2023 
unfortunately, we are and and the discussions are being had uh, all the time about what can be done uh, to uh, prevent these types of events from happening. And Dr. Buckingham, you know, as we were looking at an article uh, recently, according to an article uh, 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 written and published by the BBC, nearly 93 percent of assailants uh, had dealt with some personal issue prior to their attack, whether it be divorce, health problems or issues at school or work. And that 10 percent of assailants behind mass casualty events between 2016 and 2020 died by suicide, meaning that they killed themselves after they killed uh, uh, other people, several other people. How do you interpret these numbers as it relates to mass shootings and mental health? Yeah, I think the numbers are easily interpreted with a saying that many people kind of hear. And that saying is, hurt people hurt people. Mm. And so when we look at these numbers, you know, as a PhD kind of person, I understand research and statistics and numbers and percentages and how we use them and why we talk about them. But at the end of the day, one life that's taken is one life too many. Wow. And when we talk about behind these numbers, it doesn't, the numbers don't matter. One person matters. And the issue is what matters about that one person who either is the quote perpetrator or unfortunately that one person who's the victim, what we do know is that there's going to be some mental health relapse that either triggered it. And if it did not trigger it, it's going to be for the victims who have to deal mentally with what has happened. And so those numbers are just highlighting to us the need to get people help because hurt people hurt people. That is so true. That is so true. And I think that's, um, you know, a re the reason why mass shootings and mental health kind of go hand in hand. And it's and it seems to be much bigger than, uh, you know, a, a legislative or policy issue. It is a mental health issue. Uh, and it kind of even answers the next question that I have for you uh, regarding this, because, of course, uh, these these types of discussions and debates are happening in the halls of Congress. They're happening around the country. They're happening uh, in in places and workplaces and schools and 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 places of worship. And you know, for some of us, you know, including myself, uh, we we consider this a crisis of mental health. Uh, but there are other people that think this is purely a legislative matter. What do you think about this? Is it is it a mental, you know, is this, are these mass shootings really a, uh, a matter of, uh, or purely a legislative matter, or are they uh, what they appear to be a mental health crisis that needs to be addressed in uh, mental health facilities across our country, or can they just be legislated in the halls of Congress? Well, I think it's a combination of both. I don't think it's one or the other. I mean, obviously, unfortunately, and obviously, while we're having the debate, is because we're seeing it's a combination of both. I mean, unregulated gun 
usage slash control obviously is a problem, just as well as unregulated mental health. And I say unregulated, meaning individuals who are mentally ill and not getting the help they need. Right. And so they have these unregulated mental health issues and emotions that is obviously a crisis for us. And then we also have the legislative side of the house where, again, this ideal about how we manage who gets access to guns and weapons and how they use them. And so it's both. I mean, it's not one or the other. It's a combination of both. The problem with both is it has to do with free will, free will of the mind. And what that means is I get to choose whether or not I want to get some help. And then when we go to legislative route, they say, well, we have these debates about I get to choose whether or not I'm armed or not armed. And you can't tell me what the criteria is based on whether or not I can be armed or not, regardless of my mental health. Mm. Right. So we have to address both. Yeah, I agree. It is it is definitely a matter of uh, it, it is it is a, 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 a it is a combination of both. You know, you, you can't have one without the other. You definitely need both of them in order for us to get to some some type of substantial resolution uh, to this problem of mass shootings. But I believe it can be resolved um, as we examine this the, the this debate over passing comprehensive gun legislation. You know, this discussion of mental health is very much a part of it you know, with stricter background checks and red flag laws, banning of assault weapons are key components of this kind of legislation. But again, we cannot underestimate the importance of evaluating a person's mental health and whether they would be a responsible gun owner. Why is this such a difficult conversation to have, whether it's in the halls of Congress whether it's in the workplace, whether it's in places of worship, why is this such a difficult conversation for us to have? And it seems to be a very politicized conversation when really we're talking about people at the end of the day, right? That's that's an excellent question. I, I'm like, when I can't wait to use you, 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 you know, wrap it up so I can answer because it is so complex exactly. because mental health and psychology is a social science, not an exact science, mm. basically, which means that if you take someone like me and you're trying to tell me Congress or anyone else can regulate or my ability to carry a weapon depends on some mental health professional. When we say this is a social science, which we know that even in the mental health field, there is biases in terms of who gets diagnosed, how they get diagnosed and what they get diagnosed with. So it becomes very dangerous when we be tried to regulate and say who's fit and who's not fit. Because if you take my background, I grew up without a father. I was shot in the arm. I lost my mother. I saw my first dead body at age 10. And then you say, well, Dr. Buckingham, do you suffer from PTSD? And if you suffer from PTSD, you are a model citizen. You have multiple degrees. You're successful. But are you fit to carry a gun? Mm. Now, I've served in the military. Right. So now the problem becomes who gets to decide who's fit and based on what criteria, because this is a social science. So if you put me in front of one provider based on what I'm presenting with and my symptoms, 
then that provider may diagnose me with this. And then you go to another provider and they diagnose you with that. And so what criteria can we agree upon to say this is the right set of criteria to say who's fit and not fit? Yeah, I, I, That's why I it's complex. Yeah, it is. It is complex. But I, I, I do. I, I, I wonder, though, let me let me put it this way. Do you do you at least agree that it's a conversation that we should have about uh, about comprehensive background checks that include mental health checks? Yes, but the challenge is, for example, with a lot of African-Americans, if like when we do a mental health evaluation, then we would have to basically if we're going to use that, we would have to have criteria that says before you can purchase this, you have to get some kind of evaluation. And then my point is that if we make that kind of criteria, who does the evaluation? And then what kind of a criteria again that we've come to agree upon mm-hmm. that take in consideration cultural sensitivity? Okay. Uh, so that certain people are not diagnosed with things that prevent them from being armed and people with similar symptoms are somehow getting passes to be armed. Hmm. And that's that's a good point. I, I, I didn't think about it that way because uh, because I could see how it could be used against some people and, and then actually used uh, in favor of others, uh, you know, so. So yes, this 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 debate about gun legislation is definitely highly politicized. But even when you talk about the discussion of um, uh, should mental health be included in background checks, you know how that could easily get construed based on a person's uh, background or their culture or, or how they were raised, how they were brought up, their experiences, how those types of things could be used against them or even used for their benefit. Yeah, I, I see how that could be done. Yeah, because the challenge, Mike, is this, is with mental health, we look at people's past, we examine their current behavior to try to come up with a prognosis, to say this person is going to fur well, they're going to do well, or they're not going to do well. But the reason why I mentioned that is a social science because I would argue with any mental health professional across the nation who says that we can 100% determine how a person's going to turn out. I would argue with you all day because there's no such things, which basically means that a person like me, who was supposed to be a statistic and not be Dr. Buckingham, if you'd have looked at my past, there's no way in the world anybody would have said to you he was going to become a doctor. Right. There's no way in the world. Right. So with that being the case, None of us, no matter how great we are, I've been at it 20 plus years, can tell you that based on a person's troubled past, that they will exactly turn out like this. We have indicators, we have warnings, we have signs, because before they got run up and shoot up to school and we go back and we look and we say, well, he didn't have a father and he was a loner and he he suffered depression when he was a child or he may have had ADHD that was kind of like missed. And so when we profile that person, I can turn around and give you another person who has similar symptoms and did not shoot up a school. True. And it, it just seems to me, though, that just like you're just like we're, 
we're not able to project what may what may or may not happen for the future as it relates to someone who uh you know whose experiences could you know uh make them responsible or or, irres or irresponsible gun owner it seems like once it has happened we're now able to 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 profile that person based on what they did based on what their experiences were that this person should not have been should not have been able to purchase a gun we're able to do that in hindsight but why are we not able to do that for the future why are we not able to make that projection for the future and that that i i see where you're going with that but but the problem again i'm having is we seem to we we we, we seem to be retro we, we seem to be reactive in the sense that we are yes. always looking at what happened instead of trying to be proactive to prevent that type of thing from happening in the future does, does that make sense no, you make it makes clear sense, it makes a lot of sense. And so he, here's again, what I'm saying is not that we cannot predict it, but we, we put things in categories of low risk and high risk. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when you come with a person who's had these challenges that we identify after the fact, what we're saying is that individuals with certain mental health history or behavior, they may be at high risk. But my point about even if I say you high risk, what I'm telling you is that this person has the potential to really, based on their symptoms, to do something. But the key word here is all I'm suggesting is potential because it's a it's a social science, which means I can I can't say with a 100 percent certainty that they will. But I can say to your point that we're very trained to say that this person is a high risk person based on these criterias. But my experience has been, when it comes to like violence and suicide, I've worked with clients who have committed suicide after one tra traumatic event, one, and they just couldn't take it and they commit suicide. And then I've worked with clients who've had numerous traumatic events time and time and time again, and they do not commit suicide. Mm -hmm. So these are the kind of complexities, what I'm saying when it comes to kind of like mental health. Yes. If the argument is that we should do something as opposed to nothing, I agree with you 100 percent. Some yeah. form of prevention is better than nothing. But what I'm proposing is that it's still not an exact and it can also lead to some profiling of behavior and people. That can be weaponized. That's true. Mentally and not just with the gun. That's true. And 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 I see that uh I see that happening, you know, just as just just in our conversation, you know, just in 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 thinking about how uh politicized this debate has already become, you know, uh that you know, this if we did move forward with integrating mental health into the conversation or into background checks, how that could be used against uh, certain people because of their background, because of their culture, because of the ethnicity and whatnot to prevent them from uh, carrying a gun. And what, and, and, and yes, uh, it, it, it's, pro it's, it's already been done 
in some respects, even without the inclusion of mental health as a part of the conversation. So, yes, I agree with you. I do. I do agree with you that that uh, that that's problematic. I, I was also so uh, I'm constantly I'm, I'm on social media and making posts about this because I try to be a uh, proactive thinker. That's the platform that we have here on Thinking Out Loud radio show. And there was a, a post I made about about this some time ago. And uh, somebody responded with, I heard, well, responded with that, that they used the Hippocratic Oath uh, is, is the undergirding of the medical profession. It ultimately prevents the disclosure of a patient's mental health records when it comes to adding that as a part of a regular background check relative to purchasing a firearm. I wanted to know from you, is this uh, a, a true statement or was this someone just basically trying to defend their, their, their second amendment rights? Well, it's both, right? I mean, but I think a big thing that we have as mental health professionals slash healthcare professionals is such thing called confidentiality. So mm-hmm. at what point do I have to disclose certain things? Now, we have certain regulations slash guidance rules that we have to follow based on our license. You know, when we say to our clients, there is limited confidentiality. So I would say to you, if you say to me that you're suicidal, I cannot sit back and let you harm yourself. If you say to me that you're homicidal, I cannot sit back and let you hurt somebody knowing that you're going to do that. So there are limits to what we can hold as professionals. However, a big way that people entrust us is knowing that everything they say to us is not going to be used against them for good or bad for that matter. So now when we say, well, you have to disclose a person's mental health. Well, again, if you disclose my mental health, meaning based on my past, and you say he grew up again without a father, has a lot of trauma, he has this and he has that, and you disclose that about me, how is that information going to be used against me? See, we also have an ethical responsibility to protect clients from themselves, And sometimes that means that we don't always we disclose information that can be hurtful or negative to the client. So when they mention this, like, well, yeah, if we start to include people's mental health and and as part of their background checks, what are the parameters for how much do we share? Who determines that? Mm Yeah, I mean those are those are definitely um important questions to ask and answer uh regarding this uh you know again it just seems like going back to what we said earlier uh I just feel like we we have to do something. This is a problem that that can be prevented. It's a it's something that we can do, but um you know we we know you and I know that that uh there's money behind this debate, the NRA is a huge uh, uh, organization that, uh, of course, is in support of a, a person's Second Amendment rights. And, you know, they have stood in the way of uh, putting together comprehensive legislation 
uh, and uh, and basically, um, uh, you know, eliminating this this problem of mass shootings in this country. But I think it's still a, a debate that needs to be had. And it's one that I, I think is is going to um, it, it's going to ultimately come down to the voters. I really think that it's going to, you know, that 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 somebody's going to I, I'm hoping that somebody's going to 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 have the the the, the political muscle and and uh, the the wherewithal to really sit down and put together some legislation we're doing it in michigan uh we've done it in michigan the you know there have been we've had our critics uh you know uh from state to state of course but governor gretchen Whit Whit whitmore has uh, sat down and gotten with the democrats and put together uh a, a, a legislation that uh she recently signed into law and uh you know is going to i think do something and 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 like you said something is better than nothing uh and uh hopefully there are other states that will follow suit but there needs to be some national comprehensive gun legislation uh that needs to come into play republicans have been very much against it but uh you know we as we as american people have got to stand up and we've got to go to the polls and we've got to make our voices heard because something's got to be done. I mean, over a hundred mass shootings, and I think that number is is not high enough. Uh, I'm I'm not sure if I'm uh I'm not that number is a, a just a rough estimate because I don't have it in front of me right now. But just that just the fact that we're not even six months into this new year, and uh, we have that many mass shootings is very very disturbing. Wouldn't you agree? No, I agree a hundred percent. Again, I think. All of this about something needs to be done, agree 100%. I think the challenges that what you're presenting is what needs to be done is the issue. That's what makes it so complex because even as we get to the polls and we vote and then there's legislation, the way that I think about legislation and law is legislation and law is designed to kind of like influence behavior, you know, tell us what we should do within certain parameters. The, the two issues that I have with that is that although people may vote, Typically, when it comes to these kinds of things, the people who are sitting at the table to put together the criteria is not what is representative of the people that it can impact. Yeah. See, that's the problem that I have is that when we come together and we do these um, these workforce groups and we put together the experts from around the country, it's not always reflective of the greater people that this can have impact on because only certain people get to get to the table. Right, right. So now when we create and we pass this legislation, it's the legislation representative of all the people. Mm, right. That's the danger for me. And that's a good point. And when I and when I'm speaking of voting, because we know the way legislation works is not necessarily the people that will vote on the legislation. I'm talking more so about the politicians themselves, as you said they're not necessarily reflective of the American people. They're not reflective of the people that the legislation will impact. And so, but yet they will continue to say that they're doing this on behalf of the American people. When we both know that that's so far from the truth, that's that, that, that they're doing it for their own benefit. They're doing it for, to serve their own self-interest. And so when I say vote, I'm saying we need to vote these these rascals, the, the ones that are not 
voting in your best interest out of office because just like they were elected in office and and we as the American people are their bosses, we can fire them when they're not doing what we believe to be their job. So that's what I mean when I say right. we got to go to the vote, we got to go to the polls, and we got to vote because that's the way we make You know what, what makes... I'm sorry, you know what makes that more difficult as we're talking about mental health? In mental health, there's a thing that called emotional hijacking. Mm. And emotional hijacking is basically when your emotions are triggered to where the way we process is we have the higher cortex part of our brain and we have the amygdala part of our brain. And it's critical to understand mental health because mental health is not just cognitively. It's also about how our brain works. So basically what happens with politics is that politics and depending on because it's, it's very is very emotionally charged. What happens that is a lot of people become emotionally hijacked. And what that means is the higher cortex of your brain where we make decisions and we process becomes disengaged when the amygdala part of our brain where the emotions are high. So what happens is that we don't always make logical, rational decisions when the emotion is intense. And so when we have one of these topics that elicit a lot of emotion, people, we can't talk about it in any kind of healthy solution because the emotions get in the way of the logic. Mm. And so people start feeling different ways and these conflicts and these conversations just go on and on and on. And politicians are masters at what I call emotional politicking. And emotional politicking is they understand and learn how to say what you need to hear in order to make you feel a certain way. Now, all you got to do to keep people in conflict is to create conflict emotionally for them, to have some people feeling this way, some people feeling that way. And as long as I can get that divide of emotions and having people walk around emotionally hijacked, I can maintain the power. Right. So politicians are good at this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they are. They're good at debate. They're good at their their rhetoricians. You know, they're able they're able to 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 to, to divide the 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 populace and 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 doing so continue to propagate their own agenda because you know we can't come yes. together then there's no way that they we can get them out of office if if that is what needs to happen but yeah I, I agree with you 100 percent guys I know you are enjoying my interview with Dr. Dwayne Buckingham psychotherapist on the mental health matters two edition of the thinking out loud radio show guys we're getting ready to take our last break but when we come back we're jumping right back into my conversation with my good friend psychotherapist dr Dwayne buckingham don't go anywhere you're tuned in to the thinking out loud radio show we'll be right back don't 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 don't, don't touch that dial it's the thinking out loud radio show we'll be right back This is Michael Eric Dyson, and when I'm in Detroit, I listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show, dropping that knowledge, giving that inspiration, giving us that enlightenment. Nobody does it like Brother Michael does it. Do your thing. Holla. Peace. The Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. Thank you. 
vision should be the next book you purchase. Written by radio host and minister Michael Nimmons. Vision is an insightful, thought-provoking book that is also a helpful tool in getting you to see your life through God's eyes. Vision Endorsed by best-selling authors Dr. Eddie Connor and Kim Brooks and mega-pastor Bishop Charles H. Ellis III. Vision is a life-changing book that you need in your personal library. Get your copy today. Available everywhere books are sold online or at michaelnimmons.com. Get your copy today. Vision. Vision. Stay tuned for more motivation, more inspiration, and more empowerment on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Keep it locked. Refined, rebranded, reinvented, reinvigorated, revived. The new michaelnimmons.com website is finally here. And believe me, it's worth the wait. A state-of-the-art website where you can listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show podcast, watch Thinking Out Loud TV, read the Thinking Out Loud blog, purchase books and swag, and so much more. Subscribe today and get a free gift on us. Stop by the new michaelnimmons.com. It is sure to be a thought book working experience. Emmy Award-winning journalist, Jimmy O'Heal. And to ask ourselves, how is it that we're trying to allegedly reach racial harmony, but we want to have celebrations of racist things all the time. Again, we can't have unity unless we agree that something's bad. And we sound even more foolish by saying, oh no, but we changed the meaning. Okay, they could say the same thing in Germany about a lot of things, but you don't see it because they knew in order for real healing to take place, they had to disavow all that stuff, which is why they paid reparations Judas descendants of the Jews that were killed and are. That's why they did it. Apologies don't work unless you put some level of action behind it. It's my really long-winded way of saying that when I think about the national anthem, it doesn't represent everybody. Mark Cuban knew it, he talked about it. That's why they stopped doing it. And you know what? They didn't do it for 13 games and no one noticed. We bring you the best minds who deliver their best thoughts only on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Don't, 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 don't touch that now. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. All right, guys, we are back, and I know you are enjoying and have enjoyed my interview with uh, my good friend, psychotherapist, Dr. Dwayne Buckingham. Uh, we've been chopping it up about mental health. Again, mental health, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and I thought it was important that we set aside some time to talk about mental health and to talk about it from different perspectives and vantage points. In the last segment, we talked about 
mental health and mass shootings and what we what can we do legislatively? Because I believe there's something that can be done. Uh, and uh, we kind of talked about that a bit. And uh, in this segment, I want to kind of shift a little a bit again. We're going to talk about relationships and we're going to talk about having healthy relationships. And so, uh, Dr. Buckingham, right out of the gate, we want to know, um, you know, when it comes to mental health, how important is it as it relates to having healthy relationships and why? How important is mental health as it relates to having healthy relationships and why? Right. So mental health, I mean, a, a person's, you know, what I often tell people when it comes to relationship is that you should never let people's unresolved trauma become yours, that you should never become a victim of somebody else's unresolved pain. Mm. And so relationships is your ability to be able to relate. And so what happens is that when you have two people who've been traumatized, they can relate and they come together based on their history of trauma. But if neither one of them have actually dealt with their trauma, then they basically come together and they build a relationship that is traumatic for the both of them. Wow. And so if you do not process your trauma, you bring it into the relationship and there's people who basically will validate your pain. So one of my models, when I tell people, one of my favorite quotes is you can co-sign my healing, but you cannot co-sign my pain. Wow. Wow. You can co-sign my healing. Talk, elaborate, elaborate a little bit more about that. That's, that's such a powerful quote. You can co-sign my healing, but you can't co-sign my pain. Yeah, because in a relationship that is healthy, see, I break things down when I talk about relationships. I use four areas, mm -hmm. healthy, unhealthy, helpful, and hurtful. And so when you want to have a healthy relationship, you're looking for the higher quadrum of my, my four areas. You're looking at the higher quadrum is you're looking for someone who's healthy and helpful compared to someone who's unhealthy and hurtful. And so when I'm talking about this thing, you can co-sign my healing and not my pain. When I'm in a bad place, it's easy for people to say, you have a right to be angry and you, your wife is tripping, your husband is tripping. That's co-signing your pain. Now you have to ask yourself, how does that help when someone tells you that your wife is tripping and she ain't doing this right, it don't help you. Don't so help. when you're co-signing my pain, you think you're supporting me, but you're not helping me. You're validating my pain. Mm. Now, if you actually want to uplift me, you're going to say, if we're going to say you're going to co-sign my healing, I understand your wife may be presenting you with some difficult challenges, but how is it that you can work through this because we have to get to the other side of healthy. See, now you're co-signing my healing. Right. Now, I validated your pain. I acknowledge that your wife might be difficult to deal with. I didn't minimize that, but I'm not going to sit here and co-sign that because I can't help you. Right. Exactly. In fact, if nothing else, you're exacerbating the problem by, by, valid by, 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 when that person is saying my wife is a problem, you're not helping that person heal. You're helping that you're actually causing more 
problems then 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 could very well be there because because of what you're yeah. you're doing you're like in 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 you're you're in, insinuating or you are uh uh basically you know pushing pushing and and pushing for more friction and more conflict with that and i i agree with that cuz it's not it's not helping the situation one way or the other uh and and you want somebody that's going to be there to to kind of keep you grounded and, and and keep you focused and say okay this might be happening but how can we get through this you can get through this you can overcome mm-hmm. this you can co-sign my healing but you cannot co-sign my pain that's that that that's those are words definitely to live by yeah because people hurt people hurt people right so hurt people like for people to validate their pain right because my pain is real so if you my real friend then you really are gonna validate my pain because I'm telling you I'm hurting. The problem is they say that the 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 path that is paved to hell is typically with with good intentions but bad method. See, when you co-sign someone pain, your intention may be good, but the method is all wrong because mm-hmm. the intent is to help my brother out because I know he's down. But all the words that I'm using is wrong. The method is wrong. Right. Yeah, the method. So that is the the problem with 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 relationships. And I just say to people, one of my co I'm a quote guy. I got 800 of them in my in my new book. But I'm a quote guy. One of the quotes I tell people, Mike, is resilient people find solution in problems. In contrast, troubled people find problems in every solution. Mm. See, when people trouble, they actually are looking for reasons why they need to stay troubled. Right. That's why they troubled in the first place. Justify their pain. But a person who's resilient, yeah, they look for solutions to the problem. So you want people to co-sign your healing who gonna help you find solutions. That's it. That's it. That's that. You're absolutely right. And that's kind of how you know you're in the right circle. When, you know, if you're around people that are helping build you up and not tear you down, that's, that's a, that's a good way to determine whether you have you're in the right circles or not. Yeah, you guys, I told you this man is an expert. He is he is dropping some golden nuggets uh, as we talk about mental health matters, too. And, you know, uh, particularly for us as men, I'm telling you, men, the first three letters, I thought I think it's ironic that the first three letters in mental health is men, <laughs> men, mental health uh-huh. and and. You know, it just seems like such a hard conversation for men to have. I need uh, you, we in a text message that you uh, shared with me. We were kind of texting each other a while back, and you mentioned something about women will invest in in their mental health, and women will do this for their for their mental stability and whatnot. But men will not. And I want to know from you, Doctor Buckingham. Why does men and mental health don't seem to go together? It just seems like such a hard conversation to have for men. Yeah. So again, just in my experience and obviously being, being a man myself, like you and myself is that the stigma around a man and what a real man is, right? We, we hear it time and time again. Um, you know, a real man is able to figure things out. A real man doesn't air out his business to somebody else. And so unfortunately, we have these conceptions about what a real man is 
and what a real man is not. And a real man is not sensitive in terms of he's going to go talk about his emotions. What man does that? Right. And then, unfortunately, we have the behavioral reinforcement that makes it even more difficult for men to get help. And what is that behavioral reinforcement? I actually go and say to my wife, I'm feeling some kind of way. Quit being soft. I go say to my brother, I'm feeling some kind of way. Man up. Don't be no punk. Right. So now I learn through socialization that my posture in this world is not to nurture my mind, but to stand strong and firm in my brokenness. Mm. Y'all need to get that. Ooh, to stand strong in my brokenness. Wow. He dropped yeah. another golden nugget, guys. That's yeah. that's that's powerful. That's, that's powerful. Do. Yeah, you you're right. We we're not we, through socialization. We are we, we are we are we we learn to like you said stand strong in our brokenness and and instead of being transparent enough to just you know to 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 deal with whatever emotions we might be dealing with because you know we've heard it before real men don't cry. But actually, I think it takes a real man to cry. To be honest with you, if you 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 know, real men do cry. You know, we we, we that that's that that saying that real men don't cry is a way to kind of mask the the what was mask the hurt and mask what might be really going on with a person. But you know, I've heard it also said the opposite way. Real men do real men do cry because. It takes a real man to be able to show those kind of emotions, in my view. Yes. And, and so the problem is all this real man stuff and, and trying to define what a real man is. Oh, the, the simplistic, the, the answer to that is re, replace real man with a godly man because mm -hmm. God gave us a range of emotions. Right. So if you're a godly man, you understand that I actually was created with the ability to laugh, to cry. To Joe, to I was created with that. Right. So if I understand what that meant and I understand my gift, he gave me the gift of vulnerability. He mm -hmm. gave me the gift to be able to nurture. He gave me these gifts. The problem is that through socialization, we allow society to rob us of the very gifts that we were already getting because the little boy knows how to cry, but he becomes a man who don't cry through socialization. Ooh, wow. Yep. We've been indoctrinated uh, to believe that that crying shows weakness and that that crying shows uh, and showing outward emotion is a sign of weakness and vulnerability that a real man uh, should not show or should uh, or does not have. But the exact opposite is true that that, uh, you know, and, and I like that a godly man, because God did give us uh, different giftings and. And he gave us a range of emotions that we that we should be free enough and uh, free enough to show and display. Exactly. Is that? It, yes, it, absolutely. So when you take control, as, yeah, you take control as golly, man. I'm like, I'm not going to let you take my gift. You ain't give it to me. Right. God told me I can cry. He told me I could be sad. He told me I could be vulnerable. I am a control freak, and which means I know what he gave me. I know the gift of free will. So you can't tell me I can't cry. You mm -hmm. can't tell me I can't be nurtured and vulnerable to my wife and to my daughter. 
You can tell me, but so what? You didn't give it to me, so I can't allow you to take what you didn't give to me. Right, right. That is so true. That is so true. I hope you guys are listening on tonight. Uh, this, uh, you know, again, sharing with us some very valuable information. And, um, you know, th these are not just words of wisdom that he is sharing with us, but uh, Dr. Buckingham has a program that he's working on. And I want to give him an opportunity to kind of talk a little bit about it as we get ready to wrap this interview on the Mental Health 2 edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. So, Dr. Buckingham, share with us a little bit about the program that you're getting ready to launch that is designed specifically for men and mental health. Yes, and so what you can see here in this beautiful T-shirt <laughs> is Black Male Elevation. Black Male Elevation is about elevating Black males. And I didn't just say men, I said Black males. So I've created a program that is focusing on five core areas that every black male needs to be able to excel in. One is emotional well-being, mental wellness, spiritual growth, financial independence, and physical health. So in this program, what I've created was an opportunity for brothers to come together in a 12-week program where we meet weekly in group sessions and I do empowerment coaching with them. Now, the key word is empowerment coaching because basically what we have to teach black males is everything you need to excel in this world mentally is already inside of you. So empowerment coaching is by teaching males how to tap into the natural gifts that already exist inside of them. And so this program is going to help them in those five core areas meet weekly every week for an hour and a half. Then each brother gets accountability partner where you matched up with someone who's going to co-sign your healing and not your pain on a weekly basis to keep you accountable. And then we're going to have bi-weekly Q&A sessions where you can call in and talk to me. Hey, me and my wife or my girlfriend or my grades not right. I need to be able to do. We have that going on. Then we have six trainings that we're going to get, live trainings on internalized oppression, emotional intelligence, how to nurture and grow your family. So we're elevating, we're elevating. And that's what this program is. So right now I got my pilot program going on and we're going to officially launch in August. And when we launch in August, have your son, nephew, husband ready. Because when we launch, we got the eight to 10 year olds. We got the 10 to 12, the 12 to 18, the 18 to 25 and the 25 and older. We're hitting all age groups. Cohorts that are going to be run by certified coaches. I am personally certifying them with all this 25 plus years of mental health training. I'm certifying these coaches to be able to step into your living room and help you as a black male. God put it on my heart and I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> well, that sounds like an awesome program. I know it's going to benefit so many of our black men. We definitely need that in our community, in our culture. And we certainly thank you, Dr. Buckingham, uh, for following God's calling on your life uh, to help our black men. And, uh, you know, we are behind you 100%. And uh, uh, we, you know, let us know uh, when the program officially launches and we'll definitely have you back on so you can share with our listeners on how 
they can be a part of it, how they can have their young people, their young men as a part of this worthwhile program. I know you have enjoyed my interview with my good friend, Dr. Dwayne Buckingham, psychotherapist on this Mental Health Matters 2 edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Guys, thank you again so much, Dr. Buckingham, for taking time out of your busy schedule, man, for being with us. We wish you nothing but success in all that you do. Keep us abreast of what you got going on, man, and we'll definitely uh, have to have you back on the show very soon. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with Pastor Michael Nimmons. Don't you dare touch that dial. And Professor Dr. Peniel Joseph. You don't have to be Team Malcolm or Team Martin. I think you should be both. You know, so I think the Black community needs both. I think that King is much more revolutionary and radical than the public perceives him to be. And I think Malcolm is is a much more um, brilliant and 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 um, courageous individual who can be radically pragmatic and revolutionarily pragmatic to save black lives while trying to defeat white supremacy than people give him credit for. So um, that's why I try to show Malcolm is absolutely this prosecuting attorney, but he's also a black America statesman too. He's going to the Middle East, he's going to Africa. Um, he's schooling the young Cassius Clay before he's Muhammad Ali on what Africa means, you know, what his identity means. So. I think I put them together because I thought there was much more convergence than divergence. And I think when you frame them the other way, you hurt um, understanding of the movement. We bring you the best minds who deliver their best thoughts only on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were insufficient? Who told you that you were a loser? Who told you that you were a failure? Who told you that you were deficient? Who told you that you were nothing? Who told you that you were worthless? Who told you that you had no value? Who told you that you were you to believe? Who told you that you were naked? It's a dynamic, empowering, and inspiring book about identity that is a definite must-have. Pastor Nimmons talks about an identity crisis that dates as far back as the Garden of Eden. You don't want to miss these powerful insights into not just the problem of this identity crisis, but the discovery of the spiritual solution. Get your copy now, available on Amazon for just $14.95 or by visiting michaelnimmons.com. Like a victim when you are already victorious. Hey, what's cracking, Planet Earth? It's your boy Griff, comedian, author, motivational speaker, entrepreneur, philanthropist, but a Jesus Christ 
lover. You understand me? And you're listening to Thinking Out Loud Radio with my homeboy, Michael Nemitz. Check him out right here. Go ahead, Mike. Give him that good, good. The Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Giving voice to issues that matter to you. Our song for this week is entitled, It Matters. We have become so used to hearing the phrase, Black Lives Matter, Black Voters Matter, All Lives Matter, or Blue Lives Matter, that in some cases, the phrases themselves have lost their meaning. We hear them so often because they are echoed after the death of another black life at the hands of the police or because of the emphasis placed on voting that real meaning behind the phrases seem to have fallen on deaf ears. The authors of these now famous phrases intentions were to draw attention towards a problem by using a phrase or a saying that would galvanize a certain demographic behind a cause. For example, Black Lives Matter became the sounding cry for the black community in response to the countless deaths of innocent black men and women who had fallen at the hands of the police. The phrase was not to suggest that only black lives matter or that black lives matter more than any other life, but that simply black lives matter too. It wasn't for other cultures or ethnicities to feel less than or as if they were not appreciated, but that black or brown lives should matter to the police as much as a white life or as much as any other life. These phrases have since taken on a life of their own. Organizations were birthed from these very phrases that have come together to address the needs directly related to police brutality and voter suppression. Two key issues that have made it all the way to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue to be addressed and dealt with at the highest level and from our nation's highest office. The importance of these issues have drawn national and international attention. It was the death of George Floyd where the words Black Lives Matter were heard from New York City to London, England. From Chicago, Illinois to Berlin, Germany, the names of the slain were being evoked literally around the world. But even though much attention has been given to those prevailing issues in our society, there are still other things that matter as much or even more so. The word of God instructs us in Ephesians 6 and 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Paul here is characterizing the spiritual battle that we are in every day as children of God. Every single day, we're in the fight for our lives and not just against physical forces, not against the police, not against politicians or political leaders, but principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness of this world. So we shouldn't get caught up in supposed enemy that we see, but it's the enemy that we do not see that we should be most concerned with. But Paul doesn't just identify the problem without offering up a solution. He goes on in verse 13 to say, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that we may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. 
above all taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked and take on the helmet of salvation the sword of the spirit which is the word of God praying always with all prayer and supplication so in essence Paul says the key to our success against our spiritual enemy is found in truth righteousness peace faith salvation the spirit and prayer fruits of the spirit that definitely matter in this day and time in this world of falsehoods truth matters in a world where everything is considered upside down righteousness matters in an environment of unbelief faith matters in a society of unrest and a world of fear and war peace matters a world full of evil God's salvation matters truth matters peace matters justice matters equality matters love matters righteousness matters these are the true keys to our success as believers if it matters to God it matters to me truth over lies love over hate justice over inequality righteousness over evil light over darkness it matters it matters it matters you enjoyed this week's thought entitled it matters we certainly believe the fruits of the spirit god's spiritual virtues certainly do matter truth matters justice matters love matters righteousness matters it matters to him and it certainly matters to me I want to thank you for tuning in to this week's Mental Health Matters 2 edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Want to give a special shout out to my good friend, Dr. Dwayne Buckingham, for being with us on this week's Mental Health 2 Matters edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. He did share a number of golden nuggets with us. And I hope that those of you who are, who are listening on today were both edified and enlightened by uh, the uh, tools that he gave us as we endeavor uh, to become more mentally well-balanced individuals. And again, shouts out to him and all that he is doing, uh, particularly with uh, this new men's program that he is working on. Uh, we're definitely going to be bringing him back on very soon to talk more about this uh, men's program and how uh, you can be involved in it when it is uh, ready uh, for public consumption. And we want to thank you for tuning in to this week's Mental Health Matters 2 edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Again, your support uh, is greatly appreciated. We thank you so, so very much. And whenever we are not uploading a new episode of the Thinking Out Loud radio show, we invite you to go and listen to our over 200 episodes that we've archived everywhere you listen to your podcast, whether it be on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, on uh, I on TuneIn, 
uh, on um, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Audible, wherever you're listening to the Thinking Out Loud or your podcast, you can listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show and we would greatly appreciate it. Guys, always remember to like our posts and share them on your social media as well. It helps us to increase our exposure right here on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Guys, we're getting ready to get out of here. Uh, be sure to tune in next week. We're going to have another great show in store for you. As always, if you think it, you can believe it. If you can believe it, you can see it. If you can see it, you can be at the power rest within you. The mind is the most powerful muscle in your body. Use what you got. Get what you want. The power is in you. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the podcast. Want to advertise or book the host or be a guest on the podcast? Send an email to contact at michaelnemons.com. Tune in each week for a brand new edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you.